welcome to yet another extremely exciting episode of the Dark Rhino Security Podcast. Today, sitting around in the studio is myself, Jake Furr, Chris Malls, I'm Mitch, and I'm Chris Kazel. There you go. That's all you need to know. So, what we're getting into today, discussion-wise, is the myth or the stigma of the bottomless money pit in regards to cybersecurity. Do you always have to buy something else? Do you always have to keep paying for these services that get more and more expensive? You're never 100% secure, that whole thing. So let's, is that true? Is it really just a total bottomless money pit? Can you get to a secured point, especially for a smaller business, can you get to a secured point without you know, bankrupting yourself if you don't have a massive budget for this? Yeah, so I'm a big um, proponent of open source. I, I use pretty much open source everything whenever I can. Define open source for me real quick. Open source means that the code is readily available, basically, okay. out there. Anybody can use it. Completely free. Yep, and it's usually completely free. That being said, it's not always, but most of the time it is. So, for example, like, I mean, maybe some examples of open source stuff you can use. Um, like some kind of open, like, user directory service. Um, yeah, like I mean, there's, there's, there's open LDAP. That's a good open yeah. source directory. If I just had a laptop in front of me, and I don't have a single dollar to spend, and I want to make it more secure in three ways, what would you recommend I did? Um, go through the basics. Basically, um, <coughs> make sure that your, your, your user privileges, um, that you're using a user-level account, you're not using an administrative-level account. Um, make sure that you have, I would suggest, some sort of antivirus, but um, you can get that, obviously. It's not open source, but you can get something... Um, that's free, um, and I would absolutely make sure that you have a firewall turned on. Um, short of that, don't click shit. It depends on uh, cheap firewall. Well, there's there's no not really any good open source firewall f that that sits locally on a box, but it depends on what OS you're using, I guess. So if you're using Mac, make sure that you go into the settings, and you you turn the firewall on because it's not on by default. Um, if you're on Windows, make sure that um, you restrict it a little bit more than what the default settings are, um, and if you're on Linux, then make sure that you have IP tables up and running. Basically. Gotcha. Yeah, and the first point about the um, like user privileges and stuff like that, when you buy a Windows computer from Best Buy or something, like if you buy an HP laptop, you turn it on or whatever, you're pretty much an administrator by default to your account, because you can okay. install software and whatnot and do things that administrators would do. So one thing you can do is kind of lock it down and operate just as a regular user that has to use a separate account, like the admin account, to verify software installs and things like that. So that way, if somebody gets onto your, gets into your account, they have user access rather than admin yeah. access. Like the scenarios, if you're at the airport and you leave your computer unlocked there, someone can't just walk over and do some whack stuff on your computer without <laughs> needing to type in separate set of credentials, right? You're not already logged in. Gotcha. Yeah. They can still do enough damage if you have it unlocked, but it, it will be mitigated by the fact that you're not an administrator. It mostly comes into play in a corporate network, though. Um, you don't want to be able to um, access any of the administrative functions on Windows. Um, so you just always run as a user-level account unless it's absolutely necessary to run as an administrator. And yeah, that's pretty like a general principle. Yeah. No matter what operating system you're on. Yeah, gotcha. I really don't have anything to do with open source, but it yeah. is just a best, best practice. Yeah. Okay, so back on an enterprise level, then, 
what is so you mean let's say a small business any any small operating business they don't do any security right now they just have their you know pos system running they take tr cash and credit card transactions throughout the day they don't have a massive budget for security what things should they should a company of that size and magnitude be doing to make sure that they're as secure as they can be um well first i would ask um <clears throat> the first thing i would ask is do they have a firewall installed do they have you know what 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 kind of computers are they using are they mac are they linux are they windows um basically what their architecture is set up um a lot of time that's that's a little bit more important than how um than just installing something or, or using a free tool. For instance, if they have no network connectivity, it it matters, but it doesn't matter that much, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, they'd have to have a little bit more knowledge, basically. Um, the first thing, though, that I would do is make sure that they do have a firewall, um, and I'd use um, either PFSense or OpenSense because it's free and it's out there, um, and make put that on the border. And then, uh, depending on what kind of boxes they had everywhere, um, is essentially where you go from there. Okay. Yeah, when you're in Columbus, is a lot of like especially trendy places downtown and stuff like that. They do have a POS system, but it's not like a Windows XP machine that they've had for the last ten years. It's like usually an iPad. Yeah, I was gonna say these the the rotating iPads are yeah. very popular. They get downtown. that through Square. The uh, card reading. Yeah. So an iPad usually by default is fairly secure. Like you don't have to worry about much. Um, like I said, though, I would go into the settings, make sure that the um, all the security enhancements are turned on, that you know that the iPad's encrypted, that the firewall's up and running, um, that sort of a deal. So sounds good. And just a little bit of background, Chris. For reference, what do you do here at Dark Rhino? Chris Malls, by the way, not Chris Casel. I am the resident network sorcerer. Resident network sorcerer. Okay, yes. I think that puts it into perspective for us. I'm sure a lot of people know what that means. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Definitely. Catch him on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has a LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm sure I do a lot. Does. I do a lot of everything, actually. So <laughs> I get to do um, threat hunting. I get to do a little bit of pen testing. Um, I get to do some implementations. I get to do a little bit of architecture work. Um, pretty much just a, a little bit of everything, basically. I heard a rumor once that pen testers have the best pickup lines. They do. Is that true? They do. Okay. Back to where we started it. Yeah. Some of the stuff I've seen is, especially with smaller businesses that have like one IT guy or two IT guys, even if it's like a 300 person company, maybe they have like two or three IT people. It's pretty normal. normal. Security people. Yeah. Pretty, that's, I mean, me and Mitch see that a lot, right? Um, if you look in AD, they have no group policy set like ever. Hmm. I can't tell you how many times, like there's no password requirements Ooh. or anything. And this is we're saying like a two three hundred person company size. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, you probably wouldn't find it in like financial or healthcare, but if it's like uh, like companies here locally in Columbus that are just like homegrown businesses and stuff like that. Like yeah. Like retail for sure, probably. Okay. Yeah. Usually when they have some kind of regulation, like retail has PCI and stuff like that, they're a little more tight. But if they've got like two or three people, if you look at their group policy, which is if you don't know, group policy is like. You can set it in one place and it's spread out throughout the whole network. Throughout the entire, okay. Yeah. Um, it just gets pushed to every computer on the network, right? So they'll have nothing configured in there. And that's like a pretty easy thing because you'd probably find AD and I don't know even what the number would be, like 98% of businesses or something like that. It's probably super high. Um, hmm. 
so that's a tool right there not necessarily free but everyone pretty much has it and they don't a lot of people don't use it like smaller companies mm-hmm. um so i would start there on the enterprise level especially if your company's been around for like you know 10 15 years you probably had ad yeah or are currently using ad like right now yeah. just real quick ad definition active directory it's Kay. microsoft's um directory source tool okay mm-hmm. you're on a mac jake but like when we come in in the morning i need cc user whatever my name is and right my okay password that's set by an admin like at the network level and active directory you gotcha it's a microsoft product but everyone pretty much has it and a lot of people don't really use it properly and it's not that difficult to configure it's like it's pretty finicky but there's so much information on the internet about people who've already configured it and like guides to go through and things like that even if you don't have a security background you could probably go through it and type right it if you're willing to put an hour or so on youtube in you figure it out oh yeah, yeah the 10 minute youtube videos for gpr are super helpful okay well there you go there's a little nugget yeah that's where i learned how to do everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back to our kind of broader scope of this the whole never-ending money pit of cybersecurity. um yeah i can kind of elaborate on that more yeah um, go for it so when you first you know proposed that i was kind of thinking of um businesses that have like shelfware and that kind of thing and that's how it kind of starts becoming a bottomless money pit okay when um companies are buying softwares or hardware that simply they're just not using or haven't implemented properly. So, I mean, at that point, that's when cybersecurity would become a bottomless money pit because, you know, when you're not implementing something correctly, it's just going to sit there right, and not do anything. And then, you know, upper management is going to come down and be like, hey, we need something put in place. It's like you have something, but you didn't get it to work. Yeah. So now you have to go find something else and hope, hope, hope that works. I think there's a lot of people that it, are outside of the IT community and don't know as much that think that IT products are kind of like a, a plug and play type of thing. Like, you know, you spend a whole bunch of money on this firewall and then you just plug it in and it works, but it's yeah, that's not like not that exactly how it works. Yeah. I mean, especially with, um, with some of our partners such as like checkpoint, I mean, it's not out of the box ready to go. You got to do some configurations. And I mean, ultimately like, that's kind of like what we do. Yeah. You know, you'll bring us in and we'll configure the base rules, allow, like certain exceptions and then just put a default deny in. Um, but I know checkpoints, especially they come out of the box with a default deny. So if you plug it in, they're going to deny everything. Okay. So I mean, start blocking with everything. And then, you know, when you have people like that, you know, they get upset that it's blocking everything. <laughs> right. You know, the, they probably instruct it to pull it out, pull the plug. Yep. You know, it's not, it's not working or not because it's not implemented properly just hasn't been configured right okay and so then they'll take the checkpoint and they'll put it in basically bypass mode or bridge mode and all that does is sit there and detect so uh. yeah and that's honestly that's what we see almost all the time is that either the company bought uh, a solution and has not implemented it yet or they implemented it and they did not follow the best practices and procedures and it's basically left it either wide open or that there is a bypassable flaw in there um, but that that's honestly like one of the the number one things that you could recommend to somebody is to basically just do all the the the, the, the basic stuff um, I hate to say it but from what I see the basic stuff is is what matters more than anything nobody's doing the super crazy advanced attacks right now everyone's doing the, the super simple stuff that everyone forgot about or just yeah, just large-scale, simple attacks. You'll yeah. hit something sooner or later. Yep. Yeah. Spray and pray, as they say. 
in some cases. I mean, some cases you'll get like a targeted directly, but even then, if you're targeted directly, you've probably forgotten something fairly basic. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, then um, if you haven't forgotten something basic, then you can have all the extra stuff in the world, but it's 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 probably not gonna not gonna help you. So. Hmm. Yeah, I almost can't blame some people. Like, if you buy a checkpoint and you don't have their professional services set it up for you, and like you give it to your network guy, it's hard to blame them for not taking care of that stuff, right? Because checkpoints, it's it's, it's notoriously difficult. Yeah. They're loaded. If you haven't seen it before, it's going to be pretty overwhelming to put something like that in. Um, so it's hard to fault them, but it is like that is kind of what Dark Rhino does, right? So. And I mean, even then, I guess, I mean, if you really wanted to, I know there's some YouTube videos on R7730, um, that specific checkpoint model. Okay. And I mean, they're only pushing, and I mean, R77 is about to be become deprecated, and they're only pushing R80 now. Hmm. So, I mean, if you, if you have somebody who just bought an R80 checkpoint and doesn't know what to do with it, and everything on the internet is for R7730, I mean, that's rough. Right. That's when it becomes shelfware. That's what happens that with me point. and GarageBand. They make a new GarageBand version every three weeks, yeah. and every time I'm trying to figure something out, the YouTube video is for a different version. Yeah, the interface is all different, right? It's hard to yeah. navigate. That's exactly how the checkpoint version Buttons are, are in different mm-hmm. areas. Things are labeled differently. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so, you know, everybody's heard the term, you can never be 100% secure. It's impossible to be 100% impenetrable. So where is the relationship between, you know what I mean? Obviously, you could go broken any business trying to get to this impossible 100% secure where does the relationship lie between you're secure enough you know beyond a reasonable doubt and you haven't had to spend every single solitary dollar you had this is what threat modeling is for threat modeling yes okay so you have to model your threat right so if you're a defense contractor you're going to have to worry about you know app groups and nation states right if you're an ice cream shop you're probably not going to want to or probably not going to be able to protect yourself from say Russia getting in or, or okay. whatever major country but you sorry do ice cream sure. shops Russia's coming for you yeah <laughs> uh, you do want to make sure that you know um, if one of your the people in your organization opens a mail and, and clicks something that it's not going to basically ransomware your entire network right right so you have to you have to model what your threats are going to be right um, and that would basically tell you where you want to, how much money you can basically spend towards that. So, and and honestly, and on, honestly, like, if you really want to get into the cost of like security, the best thing that you can buy for your end users, if you're limited on a budget, is just training. Get okay. basic training on like what Mal said. You know, don't click on certain links. They have people, they have teams that will come out there on site. Yeah. And teach teach your employees what to do. If you see something similar to that, you know, or just just basic basic security principles, just day to day don't practices. go to don't go to certain websites like that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and exa- exactly what Miles is talking about. Okay, that's good to know. Education of employees may come a little bit before hardware and all that. What do you think about? Because I know what you're saying, Jake, but there's some cases, especially with larger companies that we've seen, that it costs more to buy and implement a security tool than like the long-term impact of some kind of breach yeah then their risk is worth yeah so like if they get breached and like there's some loss of po or something or ip sorry ip um 
like that actually costs them less than buying like a sim tool or something like that yeah like some people are just willing to take that hit which is interesting too so in that instance so they they just opt to do you know what i mean leave it open be yeah. as secure as you know have good education and policy it's in like place um, but nothing else i'd relate it to like car recalls if it's okay. going to cost the company more to recall the car than it is to pay like the legal fees of, for the people that die in accidents horribly. Oh uh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. See there. I mean, some some security tools are ridiculously expensive. Yeah, I know. So. It's got a there's a huge range in the security. You know, software might be ten dollars. You might be looking at ten thousand dollars for certain hardware. Even even yeah. then, like, it costs so much for the like the products. But then what they'll do is they'll like get you into a contract for three years and you right. gotta use that product for three years that's what um, splunk does paper professional service that's how it becomes a million dollars yeah exactly and it usually multiplies by user right not by i think business splunk is on like an events per second it model. Is right. yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. which is um which that can that can kind of balloon but yeah a lot of a lot of the products are per seat like that per user yeah, yeah like antivirus is, is something like that Jask is the only sim that I know is that is done by per user. Uh, I could be mistaken, but that's the only one that I know of. Interesting. I didn't know that. So that's how they're able to get like their profit margins so so low. It's because it's per user rather than events per second, I think. Hmm. So you can throw as many logs you want at it, but right. ultimately if you have 200 users, you're only going to be paying for those 200 users. Okay. So you think that ends up costing more or less than if it's events per second? Oh, it extremely less. I mean, you okay. think about it. I mean, you could be digesting millions of logs per day if you're a super large company. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's going to cost a lot of money in the long run. I think you're right for, like, holistic use. But if you just want to feed, like, in a few important computers worth of logs into Splunk, it c you could probably cut cash off it. But, yeah, you're right. For sure, yeah. That's, that's more of a niche case. Um so, obviously, it depends a little bit on industry, like we talked about earlier, but at about, like, what size, what company size do you think they really need to start going past education and basic firewalls into looking for maybe a full IT employee or team or an MSSP like Dark Rhino or, you know what I mean, what level should they be at to really start, look, you know, securing their network? Anytime, any, I would just say this, anytime that you have a user level of, 15 to 20 people you need at least a one full high full-time IT guy okay uh, to essentially wow. manage all that well I mean if you think about it you know technology runs everything and you have to have somebody that you're always going to go ask questions to or have them do this or that even if um, it's not security related which is when a yeah, computer breaks down exactly, or exactly. Okay. you need know, somebody who knows what kind of computers you need to buy and can set them up once you get them and do all those things. So even for a small company, you have to have a dedicated IT guy. And most small companies do, honestly. Yeah, these days. Um, when you needed. get bigger, then you need to get more specialized people. And depending on your size, um, you need to get very specialized people. Like, um, it wouldn't make sense to have, you know, a, a researcher and, a, you know, a dedicated firewall guy to a company of, you know, 50 people. But for 200 people, it might make sense. And it all goes back to the threat modeling. What is your what? Co what do you do as a company? Um, are you at a heightened level of risk, um, or you know, are you a fairly benign company and you don't have to worry about much of that? So you don't need a bunch of very specialized folks to come in. Okay. And I was actually going to ask. You kind of touched on that between the specialized, but your average IT guy, just you know, make sure the computers are running. This, that, and the other. Are they, how apt are they in the security field from your guys' experience? They're not. 
Okay. They're not. And even, I hate to say it, even some of the specialized security guys that major companies use are not to that same sort of level as like a pen tester would be. Okay. Because they deal with primarily a, um, a couple very specific technologies and usually from a vendor and they don't know much outside of that field so if you look at say for instance checkpoint right right hire a guy to do checkpoint and checkpoint has security stuff on it right it has an ids it has all that other stuff on it so you would bring that person in and they would just know how to use that now if you had a you know another problem or or say with phishing or something like that yes checkpoint can filter for phishing mails but um let's say you don't have that enabled and they've never been trained on that that same person is not going to be able to know, you know, um, what happens when somebody, you know, installs a um, a piece of malware that they got in a phishing mail. They're not going to be able to track that down. So, okay, it's very it it's it's different because you can do security and you can do defense, but at the same time, I would argue that a, a pen tester or somebody who's been in the security industry for a long time would know an infinite amount more about the the core security than than what they would but y- you have to you know you have to get what you what, what you can basically so um do you need a guy who can make firewall rules on the fly yeah then you hire the checkpoint guy do you need a guy who you know can hack and break into things and you know you get a pen tester so yeah, there's yeah. just a disconnect between it and it's something that um i've noticed by being in the industry for far far too long <laughs> but um that there is a disconnect between the actual I, w- I want to say real security guys and fake security guys, but it's not the case. It's it's um, between say a pen tester or a researcher and somebody who who is is out there, you know, working in a large corporation to defend them, um, not from an attacking perspective. Okay, so. almost like an offensive and a defensive side. Yeah, and there is yeah exactly basically, but yeah, gotcha. I think like a sysadmin. Like you said, Chris, I'll cut them a little slack. They know their environment pretty well. Yes. Right. That is they should. Yeah. Well, that's they should. Paid, that's <laughs> what they're paid to do. In that's gen- a big yeah. gap, though. Yeah. In general, they know their environment pretty well because I like that saying, the most secure uh, system is one maintained by a competent sysadmin. So that that's true. That goes a long way for sure. I think I saw that on a bag of chips the other day. Really? I got yeah, a common Snapple. saying. <laughs> Snapple lid. That's what it was. <laughs> but... Um, but like you said, they're only paid to know their environment. They're, I mean, most IT people aren't really paid to go above and beyond that. And if you're not passionate about IT, which I haven't met that many sysadmins that really <laughs> love that sort of thing, um, maybe some have for sure. But like they have no real reason to go above and beyond and learn about security. So yeah, they're just kind of in charge of their specific realm, not necessarily. Yeah, looking out for every possible attack that may come into it. Right, they have a pretty narrow worldview, and it's hard to blame them for that because that's what they get paid for. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the job um, description. But I think what you said about um, the threat modeling stuff is pretty true because we've only really seen two sorts of people that try to buy security tools. One is someone who needs to meet compliance, and then two would be a customer who's something unfortunate has happened to them right like they've Mm -hmm. had a breach or something proactivity is pretty rare in security if you don't have like 
someone like us that's enthusiastic about it. Like if your company's been smooth sailing since 2009. Right, if you haven't had a problem yet. Yeah, it's hard to justify getting something like that in the budget to buy an expensive tool, right? Or gotcha, to, right, right. to shift your priorities to securing your system. Nobody wants to put money in it, you know, preventing it until something's already happened. Right. Exactly. And that's, mm. that's unfortunate, but um, yeah, that, I mean, you probably, if nothing bad has ever happened to you, you're, you might not really realize the risk you're at. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I would say just to extend off your earlier point that that's what I've noticed about people who buy tools from us or buy our services is that they usually fit one of those two niches. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them's pretty, uh, unpleasant to work with if something bad's happened to you and you need like a fix right now yeah those are usually uh stressful frantic and needed yeah exactly trying to hold everything else up we've had a few proactive people come to us but that's definitely rare shouts out to those proactive people yeah you know who you are <laughs> could argue that they're driving the boat towards security let me drive the boat <laughs> let those people drive the boat <laughs> yes just like our boy bill <laughs> Is that Kodak Black's real name? Bill? Yeah. I Chris just texted me that like a week ago. Oh, I had shit. no idea. Bill. Bill. I'm trying to... We got to have some ideas for some free stuff that they can... Like free open Yeah, what is just a couple, couple off the top software. of your head? Free... So kind of in closing, what we'll give the people... Our, our nugget of information. Um, what's, you know, two or three I'll, I'll good... I'll nugget of information. Confirmed I, free tools you can use. Yeah, I, I don't know about free tools because... I mean, it depends on your your environment a lot, but I will say this real fast because this we didn't we didn't say this earlier. The the one of the major problems that we have with open source, okay, or free tools, okay, is when you go and you implement them environment, right? You need a very dedicated person to do that, and if they implement all that stuff in your environment and they do it very well and it's very secure, when they leave, you need to replace them. And finding somebody that's of that same quality or this has that same skill set is a lot harder than say finding somebody who knows one of the vendor techs right like a checkpoint guy okay, okay. finding somebody that knows how to to, to use pfsense intimately knows your environment yes, that, that it's hard to replace yes that knows like a, an open source tool like pfsense or something like that is is fairly difficult versus somebody who has been certified in checkpoint and everything else right so you always have to take that into account when you do this um as for you know Good tools. I don't. I don't have a list right now. Um, I got a couple. Yeah, up top of the head. What um, are some? Yeah, some easy. You need. You need. A, you need a free user directory. Open LDAP. Free using it. Free user directory. Open LDAP. Open LDAP, which is, um, it's a directory tool. Just put all your users in there. Okay. Yep. Um, I would say something I use a lot is there's a lot of wikis out there like Linux wikis and stuff that have security tips. Okay. And some easy stuff they do is like. Uh, logging failed login attempts to workstations and stuff like that that might not come standard on your operating system. Okay. Um, kind of some fail safes for yeah. So if, it if somebody's trying to log in fifty times to one user. Yeah. If like if there's three failed logins, it'll log that attempt and stuff like that. Um, gotcha. Like if you download Fedora or whatever you might use on your in your environment, those that sort of thing's not gonna be enabled at the start. There's a lot of tips online. Like I like the Arch Wiki. Um, they've got a good hardening page, so I would point people there. If you have a lot of Linux Arch workstations, mm-hmm. get there. And then, and then for a firewall, I mean, you're gonna have to buy a firewall box. That's like a hundred, two hundred dollars. But install PF sets on that. 
that's a that's a free software that you can put on a um a firewall box that's something at least that will filter out ne certain net network traffic okay mm -hmm. that's one thing you can do and then here's one quick question shoot how do you guys feel about the like google chrome password recommendation and saving thing oh, so I anytime i make a new account and i'm on my google chrome account it'll say recommended password and it's one of those you know really long there's no mm -hmm. words in it x six nine three j two four blah 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 and then it'll save it in my chrome so what do you i generally click yeah, out of that and i just I make my own password it just i don't like the idea i mean sure i mean it's creating a secure password but ultimately google's the one managing that yeah and i mean it's just kind of living on the browser so even if someone were to like take your computer log in say you didn't you know put a password on your computer right. well that's what would, i'm always thinking is they would have access to everything at that point my account yeah i've got yeah dozens of passwords in there yeah. i would write your passwords down and keep them in a hollowed out book in a bookshelf i wouldn't <laughs> done deal yeah or in the bible in the uh uh next to your bed in the I notes know, page that i know you got the yeah. notes page in the bible in the appendix <laughs> The password page in the back of the Bible. Yeah, yeah that's, what the, that's what they made it for. There you go. So I just say that when you save those passwords in, in a browser like that, that if somebody was to get a um, a shell in your box or something, they could instantly use those. Okay, So for sure. Yeah, man. Unless Definitely you have a few in MFA there. I'm trying to keep most of mine off there, but... I mean, there, there are certain tools that c you can use, such as like LastPass. Um, I think NerdWall is one of them. Okay. Um, basically, just like a, like a plug-in that you have to sign into first before you have access to certain application passwords. Like they'll, cr they'll do what Google does. They'll create the password for you and manage yeah. them, but it's just one extra layer right. of authentication that you would need to and get And I just feel that. like if you're doing that, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if that's any more or less secure than the Chrome version, but the Chrome is right there. And you know what I mean? As soon as you mm -hmm. open your browser, it's all, all that access up. is right there. Yeah. So that would at least be, you know, you at least have to use that program and sign in with whatever unique password you've made for that one. It's a little yeah. bit more secure. Yeah, typically those passwords are saved locally. They're not even pushed out to Google. Um, I would say this. The one, of the one of the good free softwares that I would have that I'd recommend for everybody, um, <coughs> and I'd back up real fast to what Mitch said about OpenLDAP. I wouldn't go ripping out Active Directory and replacing it with LDAP no, no, no. immediately. Just if you have no. nothing yeah. in place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you have nothing <laughs> in place, then do, then do um, um, OpenLDAP. But, but before you rip out your Active Directory, um, I would I would look at securing it because that yeah, is Yeah, obviously use that first. Yeah. Okay. Um, but one of the, the good ones that we've actually been um, looking at recently is uh, OS Query, and it allows you to basically make, um, like it's sort of like an SQL syntax to basically query all your devices and stuff. Um, um, and it's it's pretty good. Um, it's totally free, um, open source, and I think it was founded by um, uh, Facebook, I believe. I'm not 100% sure, but oh. yeah. Um, leaders in security yeah we've been sure. looking at it and well <laughs> we have been looking at it and um it's it's not it looks pretty nice so all right good to know yeah. what was that called one more time os quarry os quarry yep cool any last recommendations hmm. do the basics please do, do the, the basics do the basics and yeah. Education among Education. your employees yeah. could be a lot more valuable than expensive hardwares and softwares. That's a good one. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Dark Rhino Security Podcast. And as always, subscribe and check us out at darkrhinosecurity.com.